Greetings, everyone. Reading Limitless Love, August the 8th. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our surroundings. Thank you, Father, for the seats, the beds, the chairs. Thank you for the things that we have support from. Thank you for your hand. You support us with your hand. Thank you that you support us with your words. You've given us your word, and we thank you for your word. As we read your word and meditate on your word, they sustain us, they hold us, they lift us up. Your word is a comfort to my soul. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless this time that we have together in unison. Thank you for the love you have for us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. We are rich. We are rich and we are strong, Lord, because of you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The sword that sets you free. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Psalms 107, 17 and 20. NIV. Again, some became fools. Through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction. Because of their iniquities, they loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their troubles, and he saved them from their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Psalm 107, 17 to 20, New International Version. God's written word is an expression of his love for you. The reason you can hold a Bible in your hand and read the promises and provisions of God is because he loves you so much he made it possible for you to have it. Sometimes we forget the tremendous price that was paid to get the word to us. I'm not talking just about the $30 you spent on the bookstore. I'm talking about the men and women who laid down their lives, spending years translating and recording it. Those people literally shed their blood to get the Bible in print. Those men and women were energized by the grace of God and inspired by His Spirit. God compelled them to do what they did because He loves you. He wants you to be free from every bondage of the devil. And the truth of the Word is what makes you free. I'll never forget a vision the Lord gave me in the early years of my ministry. I was praying in a little church in South Texas where I'd gone to preach some meetings. 
I suddenly saw with the eyes of my spirit a dragon come through the front of the church. It was so big it filled the entire church. It had blazing eyes and fire that blasted out of his mouth, burning my clothes and knocking me on my back. In the vision, Jesus was standing beside me, and he was clearly displeased with that dragon and the fact that I was on my back in front of it. Why doesn't Jesus do something about it, I thought. Why doesn't he use the sword he has in his hand and kill this beast? About that time, Jesus held the sword out to me. I didn't want to take it, but I knew I would be in trouble if I didn't. So I put my hand on that sword. Amazingly, it lifted me up off the ground. And I felt power shoot up through my arm and into my body. Suddenly, I wasn't afraid of that big lizard anymore. I trusted the sword toward him. And the minute I, it touched him, it split him wide open. When it did, I realized he was full of people. They had been swallowed up by that dragon's devices. And the sword of the Spirit had set them free. Remember that next time you pick up your Bible. Don't treat it like it's just a good book. Use it like the sword of the Spirit, a gift from love straight from the Father that has been sent to set you free. August the 9th. Defeated by the army of love. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Ephesians six sixteen through 18 The spiritual armor Paul describes in Ephesians 6 is intended to equip us for prayer. He instructs us to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, and the helmet of salvation. Lifting up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, praying always for all the saints. Many Christians have overlooked that last phrase. They eagerly donned their spiritual armor and taken up their weapons. But they've done it to win their own personal victories instead of doing it to win the victory for a brother. Although there's nothing wrong with praying for ourselves, we shouldn't stop there. We ought to be praying for each other's healings praying for each other's de deliverance, praying for each other's prosperity. When we do that, we set up a spiritual situation against which Satan has no defense. Jesus said that if two of us agree as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them by our Father in heaven, Matthew eighteen nineteen. By praying for each other, we put the spiritual law into motion and our guarantee results. 
God never meant for us to use our shield of faith only for our own protection. He meant for us to hook our shields together for the common good. The Roman shield in Paul's days had hooks on the sides. Each was bigger than a man and pointed at the bottom. When soldiers faced a serious attack, they would drive their shields into the ground and hook them together to form a solid wall of protection. That's what we as believers are supposed to do in prayer. We're to link our shields of faith together and commit ourselves to fight for one another. We're to go into battle like covenant brothers and say, I'll stand here as long as I have to and use every weapon God has given me to keep the devil off you. We're born of the same spirit, bought with the same blood. I'll fight more fiercely for you in prayer than I fight for myself because I love you the same way God loves me. When we use the weapons of our welfare, warfare, with that attitude, the devil will be hard-pressed to put anything over on us. Any of us, as a matter of fact, will be watching over each other all the time. No matter where in the church the devil goes, he'll find someone praying and swinging the sword of the Spirit at him. He'll find a solid wall of faith that he can't go over and he can't get through. He'll be totally defeated by the army of love. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for your soul. I'm going to pray for your deliverance. Repeat after me. Say, the devil's a liar. Jesus is truth. The devil's a liar. Jesus is truth. The devil, you're a liar. Jesus is the truth. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not none of his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Let's pray that for one another. Pray for your neighbor, anyone. And Psalm 23 for them. The Lord is their shepherd. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures. And leads them beside the still waters. He restores their souls. The Lord leads them in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil. 
because the Lord thy God is with them. His rod and his staff, they comfort him. The Lord has prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies. The Lord has anointed their head with oil. Their cup run it over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow them all the days of their life. And they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. We pray for one another. All right, August the 10th, moving right on, Limitless Love, The Will of the King. Here we go. All righty. The entrance of thy words give light. It give it understanding unto the simple. I open my mouth and pant it, for I long for thy commandments. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me, as thou usedst to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word. Psalms 119, verses 130 to 133. The entrance of your words give it light. It give it understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. Look upon me and be merciful unto me, as you used to do unto those that love thy name. Please order my steps in your word. Amen. It's tragic how little of the Father's blessing is received by his children. In his love, he has provided all things richly for us to enjoy. He has paid for them with his own blood. He has given us detailed descriptions of them in his word so that we can reach out and take them with the hand of faith. Yet time and again, he has been robbed of the delight of seeing us partake of those provisions. No doubt, his loving father's heart has grieved as he has watched us needlessly suffer lack, simply because we have not read and believed his promises. We have not fully taken him at his word. Years ago, I heard a story about a woman who served many years ago as a handmaiden to the Queen of England. She had begun her service as a young girl and lived most of her life in the palace. She never learned to read or write, so when the queen died and she was released from her royal service, she was left destitute, an old woman with no hope of gainful employment. For years, the lady lived in poverty in a shanty by the river. 
One day a preacher came to visit who had heard of her glorious past. Is it true that you spend your life in the service of the queen, he asked. Oh, yes, she answered, beaming with pride. I serve her ladyship for many years. I have the proof hanging on my wall. Intrigued by this wonderful piece of history, the preacher walked over to examine the document, which had been framed and given a place of honor in the tiny home. As he read the words written there, he was dismayed to find it was the will of the Queen of England, which commanded that in honor of her handmaiden faithful service, she be richly provided with a home, servants, clothing, and food for the rest of her life. The document was signed and sealed by the Queen herself. Although the dear old lady had honored and shared the will for years, she had never read it and understood what it promised her. Therefore, she had never been able to take the queen at her word and receive what her majesty had provided. Don't let that sad story ever be told about you. Determine to find out what your almighty king has so richly provided. Give his word, which is his will for you, an honored place not just in your home, but in your heart. Let the entrance of his word give you light so you can believe and receive all of the bountiful blessings of the Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We shall not want, family. We shall not want especially when we pray it for our enemies, for our loved ones, for, the, for our Christian friends that are going through something and don't seem to pick up the Bible and it bothers you that they're almost there in breakthrough, but they keep saying what they have instead of saying what the Bible says they have. So they're prophesying their future when they say, I don't want, I don't want this in the future, I don't want that in the future, instead of saying, I want God's word, God's promise in the future, I want God's love in the future, I want the Father's arms in the future, I want his word that promises my inheritance. Even if we memorize Proverbs 10.22, Proverbs 10.22, that says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he has no sorrow with it. Amen. Just memorizing that could be the, uh, the start of the entrance of his words giving light. Say it again. Say, the blessing of the Lord gives me light. And he has no sorrow with it. Amen. All right, moving on, August 11th. In the arms of Jesus, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Isn't that amazing? you got to have two... 
units and one unit shines on the other unit and the other unit completes the other one shines back. That's why it's so important we have fellowship. Fellowship with the born again Christian people waiting and abiding and speaking God's word. If we love one another by praying Psalm 23 for another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 1 John 4.12 God's love is perfected in us. Remember the old saying, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Try and try again. When it comes to love, that's absolutely true. The way to perfect God's love in you is by practicing that love on others. Don't just practice it on the easy ones, those who are kind and gracious to you. The Bible says even sinners can do that. Determine to love those who irritate you and act ugly toward you. Purposely love those who are most challenging to you. Don't sit around waiting for some kind of supernatural warm, fuzzy feeling to make you do it. Just step out in faith and love them by an act of your will. One way to begin is by asking God to help you see that person the way he sees them. If it's someone who has really been ugly to you, that may be difficult. In fact, it may irritate you a little that God loves them at all. Let's be honest. At times, all of us in our fleshly selfishness looked at someone who was acting badly and thought, how could God love that idiot? When I was a little boy, I overheard my mother talking to a man of faith about someone like that. I just wonder how in the world God is going to deal with that person, she said. Mercifully, mercifully, he answered, with great mercy. Even as a young boy, I knew what that man was really saying. God will deal with them mercifully, just like he deal with you. He dealt. Just like he did with me. If it weren't for his mercy, none of us would have survived. So we be wise to extend the same mercy to each other. That's the attitude to have when you're asking God to help you see someone like he sees them. Cultivate that attitude by remembering how many times God has been gracious to you when you acted badly. Think about the price Jesus paid to save you while you were yet a sinner. Then in that frame of mind, begin to pray for the one who has been difficult to, to love. Sometimes I get the process started by picturing them in my mind and then visualizing Jesus coming right up behind them and taking them in his arms. I see them totally engulfed in him. I think, yes, Lord, that's the way you treated me. You loved me when I didn't deserve it. Help me do for them what you did for me. Just let your mercy and compassion for them find expression through me. You may think right now that you can't do that, but I guarantee if you'll step out in faith, you'll find you can. You'll find that the most 
you'll find that the more you believe the love of God has for you and the more you practice it on others, the more it is perfected in you. Amen. Amen. That brings a good point, folks, is for us to let's go ahead and pray right now for our enemies. We all have one. Each one bring an enemy to this session. Everyone got an enemy? All right, we're, th- this enemy is going to give us our greatest love, our greatest insight on God. It's going to give us our greatest strength. We're going to grow in, in gold in our spirits by doing this. We're going to be perfect as God is perfect by doing this. What are we going to do, Fernando? We're going to imagine taking the, uh, the enemy... And putting him in the hands of Jesus, in the arms of Jesus. Okay, let's just imagine. Here's our enemy with his grouchy and venom-speaking words. And let's get him and put him in the hands of Jesus, in the arms of Jesus. Jesus, we give you this person. We put him right into your hands. Hold him, Lord. Don't let him go. As he struggles out of your hands, just hold him tight. And we say, Lord, you are his shepherd. That man shall not want. Or that woman. You make him lie down in your arms in green pastures. You lead him beside the, the quiet streams, your arms. You restore that person's soul. And you help them walk in righteousness for your namesake. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We put that person, cast that person into your arms, Jesus. That it will never be a problem again. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. Amen. Amen. See that enemy in the hands of Jesus. Feels good already. We've done something right. The compensation that God gives us is a greater love and a greater wisdom to deal with a person. We think in wisdom. We act in God's godly wisdom. We stay in love and deal with these enemies with the love of the Father, which is wisdom, understanding, and love. Amen. I felt it before. It takes a little bit of practice, practice, practice. There's going to be a lot of failure. You you feel it's no use, but we try it and try it again. And it's a, the wisdom is a confident, assuring that we have God's approval, God's presence, and we are acting in love and truth. Amen. We're just like a parent holding an erring child in their arms and they're crying and balking and, and we're just holding them say it's going to be alright, it's going to be well. You know, in their, probably in their blasphemy and their lashing out, they're really saying, I need help. I don't know how to get out of this. I'm bound and locked in here from my actions and Sometimes I think that they pick us because we know 
the Creator. We walk with the Creator. Amen. All right, moving right along. The image of God, in the image of God for August the 12th. But we all with open faces beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's go ahead and say that out loud, please. But we all with open face beholding. Let's try that again. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18 As born again children of God, you and I ought to be growing up in the image of Jesus. With every day that passes, we should be walking, talking, thinking, and acting more like Him instead of crying in fear about the storms of life that come against us, we ought to be learning how to take authority over them. We should be saying, as Jesus did, peace be still. Some folks think it's practically blasphemous for us to imagine we could ever be like the Lord. But the New Testament plainly states that is our destiny. Jesus himself said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. John fourteen twelve. The Apostle Paul wrote that we are predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. Romans eight twenty nine, New American Standard. And to grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Ephesians 4.15 The Apostle John said it this way, As he is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4.17 As amazing as those scriptures are, every believer knows instinctively They're true. Our spirits instantly bear witness that we've been born again to be just like Jesus. God wants to do the same things through us that he did through him. Again and again, remember, God wants to do the same thing through us that he did through him. Some of us have stepped into an occasion We had moments when we experienced the life and power of God flowing unhindered through us. But we haven't yet lived in that place on a day-to-day basis. Why haven't we? What is it that we've been missing? The fullness of God's love. The fullness of God's love. Love is the key to it all. Since Jesus is the embodiment of love, 
To be conformed to his image means to be conformed to the image of love. So the more we behold him in our hearts and realize we are born of that love, the more fully Jesus will be revealed in us. Some time ago, the Lord said to me that we need to develop to a much higher degree our revelation that God is love and his love is in us to be used. As you develop and exercise that love, he said, I will not only fill you up, it will flush the fear out of your soul. Once fear is flushed out, you'll begin to step out in faith and live in a way the world cannot explain. They'll begin to wonder, who is this that even stops and stills the storms? They'll see in us the person of Jesus. They'll see in us the image of his love. Amen and amen. August 13th. According to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew 9.29 According to your faith, be it unto you. Faith works by love. We acknowledge that fact many times. But did you know that love cannot work without faith? It's true. I could love you with all my heart. I could love you so much that I would buy you a house, put a new car in the driveway, and give you the keys to both of them. But if you didn't trust my love, those things would do you no good when I try to give you the keys. You'll just refuse them and say, no, you can't fool me. I know you haven't bought me a car and certainly don't believe you bought me a house. So just keep those silly keys because I'm not falling for that lie. Ridiculous. No, that's reality. In fact, there, there was an actual case much like that some years ago in Chicago. A man who had been living in terrible poverty just barely getting by with the help of some government welfare program, was contacted by someone and informed he had been named heir to a multi-million dollar fortune. Just imagine, here's a fellow who has been living in the streets, hungry, suffered from the heat and cold. You'd think he'd jump for joy at the news, thrilled at even the possibilities someone has provided for him. But he wasn't. Instead, he refused to believe the message. Ain't nobody ever given me nothing, he said. And ain't nobody ever going to give me nothing. You get out of here and leave me alone. As the story goes, the mayor of the city himself was finally recruited to help convince this man to receive his inheritance. So he drove up in his limousine in front of the dumpy place where the man was living. The man clearly realized this was the mayor, but he still didn't believe. No, he said again, nobody's ever giving me nothing and they aren't going to start now. So just get back in your fancy car and go on. The mayor had ordered the man to come with him. He told him he was tired of the state having to pay for his food when he had a million dollars in the bank. So he took the man to the bank, fuzzing and kicking all the way. Sadly enough, many Christians are like that. 
They have a Heavenly Father who loves them so much, He has provided everything they'll ever need. They have an inheritance so rich, it's literally inexhaustible. But they haven't developed enough faith in God's love to receive it. Lord, they say, I'm not asking for very much, just enough for me and my family to get by. So in spite of the riches God longs to give, he is obligated to parcel out that pitiful provision his child has asked for, as he says, according to your fate, be it unto you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, the Jabez prayer. Say, Lord, oh, that you would bless me indeed and give me lots and lots of territory that your hand may be upon me and that it may not harm me. And God did what he performed, what he asked for. Again, let's do it again. One more time, please say, O oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand of provision be upon me, and that you would keep me from evil that it may not harm me. And God provided for that person. Amen. Amen and amen.